0: Welcome to Preach the Word Podcast. My name is Ashton MacDonald and I am your host. I'm going back in the archives for today's episode to a sermon that was shared by Pastor Shad MacDonald on June 1st, 2016. The scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, and verse 33, And the sermon is titled, Who's On First? If you're looking for good Holiness music and singing to listen to and enjoy, I would like to recommend EchoesOfHoliness.org. They offer around-the-clock music in English as well as in Spanish. They also have sermons that are linked for on-demand listening, and they have a request box for artists and songs that you may like to request for future listening. I know you'll enjoy the content that they provide, and I hope that you'll go check it out. Listen as Pastor McDonald shares a challenging message with us today and ask the question who's on first? Thank you for listening.
1: Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. These are the words of Jesus, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The first line, but seek ye first. If the Lord would stand by me tonight, I want to preach a message entitled, who's on first A longer subtitle would be things only get worse when God is not first <clears throat> Worst-case scenario is an expression that you hear in our society today Worst Case scenario is the concept <clears throat> that is in risk management. You find that in financial um, areas of business as well as insurance and investments. Worst case scenario, it's the idea of a man that is called an, an actuary. It's one of the most envied uh, types of employment in the business world today i read an actuary is a man that is familiar with numbers it's a man that has a collection of data a man that pours all these numbers into a system and somehow or another that system can compute potentially what may happen it will compute what might take place some call those men financial Fortune tellers. If you have a certain amount of money you want to invest, you can go to this man and he will tell you this is something you may want to do, and this is something that you certainly would want to avoid. And then when you place your money there at a worst case scenario, this is all that you would lose. This individual looks at a worst case scenario and he anticipates the potential loss. He considers what you may lose. And then he shows you how to minimize your losses in a worst case scenario of investments. Tonight I want to tell you that no matter where you may be right now, in your station, in your status, in your situation that you're in right now. It can get worse. You may think that you are at the bottom. You may presuppose that you are at your lowest. And you may think that it just can't get any worse than what it is. It can, if you leave God out, And that's what I want to talk to you tonight about, putting God first. And when God is in the scenario, when God is in the situation, God takes a worst case scenario and He makes it the best case scenario. He takes all the potential loss. He takes all the potential potential risk out because God is in control. You see, Jesus even spoke to to us of a man that I would say in a sense that he looked at his life as a first case scenario. And he said, I will do this and I will do this and I will do this and I'm going to do this. But really a first case scenario of making himself first became a worst case scenario because God said of that rich man, you're a fool. This night your soul is required of you. And so I want to show you tonight simply please that the thing that must be preeminent, the thing that must be paramount, the thing that must be first and foremost in your life is God. You must put God first. You must put God first. There's a lot of worst case scenarios that can happen in life. Reminds me, I read just today of a, a man that got a phone call, and it was his doctor. The doctor was in but in a bit of a frantic. He said, "I've been needing to talk to you." Uh, and so the patient said, "Yes." The doctor said, "I've got bad news, and then I've got worse news." And the bad news is, you're going to die in 24 hours. The man said, "Oh no! What could be worse than that?" The doctor said, "I forgot to call you yesterday." Worst case scenario. Things could be worse than what they are. And so somehow or another, if I could could give you the lens, if I could somehow give you a pair of glasses that would help you see tomorrow, so that you could envision the future, and you could see the potential that's there, I want to show you some things that you can do, please. I want to show you some things that will minimize your losses, I want to show you some things you can do so that God will be on your side. And it matters not what life may bring. It matters not the trouble that may come. Your faith and your trust is in God. In this single verse, there is first allegiance. There must first be allegiance. And so Jesus again says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. So see that now there must be allegiance to the priority of the king a kingdom presupposes a king a kingdom presupposes that there is one that rules there is one that reigns there is one that is righteous there is a monarch there is a leader there is an overseer there is a lord aren't you glad to be part of the kingdom of God. You see, they are two kingdoms. They are at opposition of each other. There is the kingdom of this world. That is the kingdom of darkness. That is the kingdom of the enemy that is against our souls. But I'm glad I'm part of the kingdom of God. I'm glad I'm part of that kingdom. I'm glad I'm a child of the king. I'm glad I've been blood bought. I'm glad I've been forgiven. I'm glad I've been adopted. I'm glad I've been brought into the kingdom. I'm glad I'm part of the family of God. And so Jesus says, but seek ye first the kingdom. Uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Make God first. Here's where we find problems. Here's where I have difficulty. Here's where you find yourself in a quandary. Hallowell, C.J. Hallowell wrote a book entitled Overbooked, Overbusy, and About to Snap. In his book, Overworked, Overbooked, and About to Snap, C.J. Hallowell tells of how that he knew his life had become too stressed when he went on vacation and he had to use the phone. And there in the hallway of that little faraway cabin in that rural district where he was, there was a rotary phone. And he said, when I realized that I had to dial up, And wait on the rotary to turn back around to get a call out. That wait made me so angry. My life had been filled with such impatience. That I didn't even have time for the dial up on the phone. And oftentimes we get that way. We're so stressed. We're so pushed. And we're so caught up in the hurry and the worry and the bury of life. But could I tell you please. There's a remedy to that. And that is seek God first. Put God first. Make Him Lord of your life. Make Him Lord of your day. And everything will go a whole lot better. There must be allegiance to the priority of the King in our lives. put Him first. I read one time of a farmer. He and his family were just about to sit down for supper. And just as they sat down for supper, there was a sudden... Horrific crash out front. They rushed to the front of the house and looked. And there was a team of mules and a wagon. Been loaded with hay. It was turned over. And there stood a little neighbor boy. Frantic. And he's saying daddy's going to be so mad. Daddy's going to be so mad. The farmer said son. We were just about to eat supper. You come on in. Eat supper with us. And after supper we'll get a team of mules out here and we'll turn this wagon back over and we'll load your hay back up and you can go on with your trip. The boys kept saying, Daddy's going to be so mad. Daddy's going to be so mad. So he went in and obediently ate supper with the farmer after the meal. He's still saying, Daddy's going to be so mad. They walked out there to the wagon and again the little boy said, Daddy's going to be so mad Till finally... The farmer said, son, where's your daddy at? He said, underneath the wagon. I want to tell you, oftentimes in life, we find ourselves in a mess because we don't take care of first things first. And that's what happens in your life and mine when we don't put God where he belongs. Listen to me, you think you're under a load now? You think you got trouble now? You're going to have trouble when you don't have God. You're going to have trouble when you don't have God. You've got all kind of problems and worry and frets and frustrations and fears and things that are just piling up on you. Oh, but you've got God. You've got the Lord. And that is enough. And oftentimes the reason why we feel so overtaken and we feel so overworked And we feel so overwrought. is because we have forgot to put God in the equation. You see there's all types of alternatives that we may seek. We try to search out a remedy of our own. We try to somehow play God. Help God. We somehow think that God's taking too long. We somehow think that God is... Some old tottering grandfather up in heaven... Who's lost his sight. Who can't hardly hear. And God's not going to do right. So we got to play judge. We got to play God. We got to play king. We have to manipulate. We have to somehow turn the screws. And work things out for God. Listen to me friend. He was running this thing long before you and I got here. And he's a big God. And he can take care of it. If we'll just put it in his hands. None of you, none of you would have claimed to be an atheist. None of us are atheists in our faith. But I wonder sometimes in our practice, in our lives, are we atheists? Because we act as if there is no God. We act as if God's not able. I want to shout it, God is able. God is able to take need another alternative I don't need another solution there is no other solution he is the solution to the problem he is the answer to the question he is the remedy for the ill he's everything that I need all I've got to do is put God first First. there are alternatives that we may seek but there is an authority to which we must submit at the end of the day when I've exhausted all of my strength, when my mind is taxed, when I'm weary and torn, and I'm spent, and I've done everything I know to do, I have to go back to this truth. He is God and I am not. And as soon as I learned that, life goes so much better. He is God. And I am not oftentimes in our little universe in our little world we think that we must put our hands on it and we'll work it out we'll go over here and do this and we'll twist this screw and we'll turn this knob and somehow another we will adjust and we'll fix everything but really when it comes to life we're all thumbs and we can't make it work the masterly mechanism of the universe the cycle of the seasons the revolution of the earth and the orbit of the planets, God's got it all under control hey hey church he's a big big God and all I've got to do is put him first and he'll take care of everything in my life who's on first there must be an allegiance to the priority of the king And then there must be an acceptance of the purity of the king. For Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, we, within this kingdom, we are assaulted by an adversary. And that adversary is the devil who goeth about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour But within the walls of that kingdom. We're protected. We're preserved. We're safe. Because we're part of the children. Of the kingdom. If the devil had his way. He would destroy every one of us. But I'm so glad the devil. Don't get his way. If the devil had his way. He would maim. He would maul and mar and cripple every one of us. Oh. But the devil can't get his way. All because we're in a kingdom of righteousness. His presence protects us. He accompanies us. He's there beside us. He's always with us. I'm glad I'm part of the kingdom. There is an adversary that would assault us. But we're made, ad, we're made adequate. We're made complete. We're made intact. We're made whole. By our advocate. Because we are to seek the kingdom of God. And His righteousness. It's not your righteousness. It's not your good works. It's not anything good that you do. But it is His righteousness. It's righteousness that is imputed. It's right righteousness that is imparted. For you see, it's His righteousness and he gives it to me. Anything righteous in us is his righteousness. Anything good in us is his goodness. It's not your goodness. His glory he'll not give to another. He is a jealous God. It's his righteousness. It's his purity that makes us pure. It's his blood that makes us clean. It's his love that makes us whole. It's his righteousness. And if there's any good in me, if there's any good in you, it's his righteousness. Two men were talking. One said, I don't see why they call it Good Friday. The other said, if you were to hang, to be hanged on Friday if you were to be hanged on Friday and another man took your place, he said, what would you call it? He said, I'd call it good. You see, friend, the only good that comes to our life is because we serve a good God. It's His righteousness that's imparted to us. It's His faithfulness. It's His friendship it's his fellowship it's a God that said I'll never leave you nor forsake you but I'll be with you always somebody in the church on a witness on a Wednesday night is a good God <laughs> he's been good to me he brought me out of darkness and put me in a kingdom of light. he gave me peace he gave me pardon he gave me purity he gave me protection oh I'm glad I'm in the kingdom and everything i got is right in the kingdom of God and all I gotta do is make him first. He's a good God. Charles M. Shelton, pastor of First Christian Church, Topeka, Kansas, wrote a book entitled In His Steps, second only to the King James Bible, the most printed book in the world. Charles M. Shelton not only wrote In His Steps, but he wrote a book entitled The Twentieth Door. He wrote that book just at the turn of the 20th century. It was a home, home place that he wrote of on the Kansas plain. A widowed mother who was an invalid with three kids. The two older boys had got a crop in. There was wheat and there was corn. And there was a mortgage that was due. And everything depended on that crop. And so here's a widowed mother... With two grown boys and a small daughter. She's invalid and bedfast. But the boys have got a crop in. And if they make a crop, they can pay the mortgage. And that will give them a reprieve for one more year. Soon, fall comes, and they've got acres of standing corn, and they've got acres of wheat bowed over, and it's almost harvest time. And suddenly, way yonder in the distance on the Kansas plain, there's a dark, ominous, looming cloud. Thunder begins to roll, and they can hear the thunder clouds. They see the storm rolling. Them two older boys run in to where their widowed mother, invalid and bedfast, is at, and said, "Mom, there's a storm on the horizon." That woman of faith says, "Gather around, children. Gather around. God knows we gotta have this crop. We gotta have this crop to pay the mortgage. We can't afford to lose a stalk of corn. We can't afford to lose." any wheat. We got to have this crop. And she says these notable words. She said gather around and let's believe and see if our good God won't help us right now. Those two older boys said we gathered with sister and mom and we began to pray. And after we had prayed one went to the window and watched. He said I saw that storm. I saw the wind. I could hear the storm rolling and he said right when it came to our property line he said that storm picked up and went over our farm and sat back down on the other side he said the prayer saved the day I want to tell somebody we serve a righteous God and he will preserve and he will provide and he's gonna take care of you if you'll just believe In this single verse, Matthew 6.33, there is allegiance to the priority of our King. And then there is acceptance of the purity of our King. And then last of all, there is the abundance by the promise of our King. Because simply and succinctly in this one single verse, Jesus sums our faith. And he gives us the recipe for Christian success and says, but seek ye first. You're going to have to look for it. You got to work for it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added Unto you. The abundance by the promise of our King. The key word is added. And that word in the Greek there is to be added to again and again and again. For all of life's subtractions. He is the addition. And I'm preaching to several of us tonight. We're wondering how is it going to work out? How is it going to fit? How is it all going to shake down? What is God doing? How is how can this be what God wants when it seems like I've got more need than I have supply? It seems like I got more going out than I do coming in. And it seems like there's situations daily that I'm caught in the horns of dilemma. And I don't know how I'm going to work through this crisis. It's very simple, please. Go back to the remedy. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I must confess, I would be dishonest if I said anything other. There are problems in life that are alarming. They are things that cause me to quake in fear. There are situations that I don't know how to work out. The strand is too tangled. I cannot work the puzzle. It makes me anxious. It alarms me. There are problems in life that are alarming. But there is the provision of the Lord that is amazing. He said, "I'll take care of it. I'll supply. I'll meet your every need. It matters not what you need. All these things shall be." <coughs> now help me with that, Daddy. Tell me one more time. Did it say it may be? Did it say it could be? Did it say it might be? Or did he say it shall be? Did he say it shall be? Have you ever known him to lie? Has he ever backed up on his word? Has he ever had to retract a statement? Has he ever had to say I misspoke? Has he ever had to say I said that wrong? Or can you depend on what he said? He said it shall be added. It's not a question of if it will. Or could it be. Or it might be. He said it shall be added unto you. I felt the touch of the Holy Ghost right there. He said it shall be. It shall be. Oh yes. When life alarms me. What God does amazes me. And he gives me a super abundance. He adds. And adds. And adds again. And God somehow comes by. And when there's not enough. He makes up the difference. And now there's more than enough. (laughs) I'm glad that when he says it shall be, it shall be. Not maybe so, not could be, or might be. But when he says it shall be, it shall be. (laughs) You know a preacher, and I know him too. I heard him tell one time, he said, I had a backslid boy. And he said, my boy was out in deep sin, and I'd been praying and seeking God for his soul. And this holiness preacher said, I was about to walk out of the house, and I reached for the door handle. And I turned the door handle, and he said, the Holy Ghost come on me and said, your boy will not die lost. Thirty. 35, 40 years plus passed. And that boy came down to die. And that preacher went to his son's bedside and said, Is everything right between you and God? And he said, Everything's right. I'm saved. I'm ready to die. They buried that boy not long ago. That minister and his wife, just weeks after they buried their son, went to a fellowship meeting. In that fellowship meeting, a minister walked up to that preacher's wife. And he said, Sister, you have not yet received peace and assurance that your boy made it. But God is going to witness to you that your boy made it and your boy died saved as soon as that minister said that to her the Holy Ghost came on that good sister and she began to worship at that same moment that she was worshiping a minister from the other side of the building not knowing what was just said to her walked up to that same lady and said, "Ma'am, you've been waiting on assurance about your boy's salvation but the Holy Ghost come to tell tell me to come tell you that everything's okay and Chucky Barnett made it right. I heard Brother Barnett tell that story and he said it was a few weeks later he said I was thinking about Chucky being a 17 year old boy and then I was thinking about what God had done for Marietta and sent two preachers to confirm it he said the Holy Ghost came down all over and said Charles I kept my promise to you I want to tell somebody tonight if God said it shall be it shall be if God said he's gonna do it he's gonna do it if God gave you a promise I said start believing God if God gave you a promise hold on for the promise stand all over the house and let's give God some praise in this room I believe you Lord it shall be sister Cindy. come let's give the Lord some praise Father in heaven Lord I ask you right now Stir up faith in hearts. Oh, hallelujah! You're here tonight, and you, you're in a quandary, and you're in a place of decision. Which way do I go? What move do I take? What direction is for me? The remedy's all in this. Seek ye first the kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added. Hallelujah.